Okay. I want to start with the video. We're going to jump right in. We've got a lot of stuff to cover this morning. We're talking about faith in work, and I want to show you another amazing example of that, and we're going to jump in and look at some scripture. You know the biggest thing about building furniture? In order to achieve the right product. The critical decision is made at the very beginning. You sort of can't use the wrong components and the materials and expect to get the right check at the end of it. And I discovered that's pretty much our life. It's really about deciding who you want to be. In Nigeria, corruption is quite prevalent. There are many business practices that are based on cheating, taking advantage of the customer, or business deals that are not conducted fairly. When I wanted to start my business as a young person manufacturing furniture, I decided that two things were critical for me. I was never going to sleep with a man to get a job, and two, I was never going to pay a bribe. It seemed like a naivety of uh, idealism, but I knew that I could make it work. A year or so into my business, I gave my life to the Lord. Considering I come from a Muslim background, that became a whole new experience for me. I had started heading the business fellowship in my church. It gave me the grounding and the confidence to continue with my quest and my desire to build a business based on biblical principles. In the pursuit of building institution or building wealth, I will not deter from righteousness. In 2004, there was an announcement in the news that just says, importation of any form of furniture is banned. By that single announcement, about 80% of our business was shut down. Now, that was a very scary moment. My option was to choose to become a smuggler, and a lot of people chose that route. They would make a deal with the customs officers to get around it. I wouldn't do that, because everything I'd learned and the principle I'd chosen to live by didn't fit in with that. So I called my staff, had a meeting, and said, look, I'm not firing anybody. We're going to go through this. I just need you guys to pray for me and ask the Lord to grant me the grace and wisdom for this season. I looked at the whole furniture value chain, and I found that the most difficult to replicate locally would be office seating, because it's very technical. I went to the largest French office seating manufacturer and went to talk to them about having a joint venture in Nigeria. So they laughed because they, I mean, they're the largest in France, one of the top 10 in the world. They sell everywhere in the world, but they only produce in France. I'd been doing business with them for up to about 10 years then, but I'd left a good record. Two weeks after they called to say, you know what, we'll give you technical support and we'll do like 5% investment. As we built the business plan and everything, they changed their mind and moved their investment from 5% to 21%. And all technical support and training of all the staff that would be required. 
I then went on to set up the other factories in order to meet our entire value chain within the business. At the end of it, we became a bigger and a better company than we were before the crisis. And the whole process of responding to that situation and the build-up of the new companies that emerged from it opened doors to a corporate career because companies started looking for people who had integrity and certain value system to sit on their board. Fastback is well known for its governance structure. So anybody who would be the chairman of First Bank has to be somebody with a lot of high ethics, um, high integrity. That's why she was chosen to become the first female chairman of First Bank. First Bank is the biggest bank in the country, so that puts, puts it in a bigger light. She's very, very well respected. She's also someone who has, who's very influential, so she's the culture shaper. She's become an example of, um, of how to do business as a Christian in Nigeria. You can see her faith in her, in the way she talks, the way she deals with every staff. Ready to listen to you, ready to show you how to grow. Her mission and vision is just all about doing the right things, showing integrity in what you do. In the last 28 years, I believe that the level of success that we've achieved as a business has shown that even though our value system was taught not to make it possible to succeed in this environment, we have proven that not to be true. By deciding in advance my values, by deciding in advance my focus, and in trusting him, it will lead me every step of the way to the right place. I know, right? Who just got saved again? So good. So good. Thank you, Jesus. So we've been on this journey. We're in week four of Faith in Work. And uh, I'm going to reference uh, back, and I'm going to have to call her Ivy because I keep forgetting how to pronounce her name correctly. So I'm going to talk a little bit about Ivy. But I loved where she said in a place where it was considered idealistic to do business righteously, that it could not work, we've shown that that's just not true. And how many of us really identify with that? We're in the workplace, we're in this environment, and there's that sense of like, I can't be a Christ follower fully in, in business here. I can't just do things the way that the kingdom would have me do things. I've got to, you know, you got to go along to get along kind of thing. And we've all experienced those times. We are, we are um, oftentimes daily faced with different compromises that others would justify in that moment, but we're not allowed to partake in that. And, it, and it's not always easy. You've got to decide who you're going to be and what you're going to do. You've got to decide how you're going to engage in, as extending either the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of this world. It's, it's not always easy, is it? But I, I'm so encouraged, so encouraged by this story. And I, I love how she says that, you know, it's, I, liked she, I liked her analogy, you know, with furniture. Um, it's really all about the decisions have to be made at the beginning. If it is what kind of materials are you going to make? What are you going to build? If you haven't made those decisions yet, there's no chance of making a, a beautiful piece of furniture. And isn't that the analogy of, of what she got to build? So we're going to come back and touch on Ivy a little bit. But I wanted to put that story in front of you. One, just to encourage you 
just to encourage you that in, that in a place where the entire environment was based on uh, bribery and, and unethical business practices, here this you know, powerful woman um, is coming in and saying, well, I'm going to do it the way of the kingdom. And to see that outcome, man, whew, I get emotional each time that I watch that. I've watched it like seven times every time. I'm like, that's so beautiful. Oh, praise God. How many of you are ready to go? Don't raise your hand. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Let me jump right in. So, um, and by the way, um, we have the podcasts. You can subscribe on your phone or you can go to ChristCenter.com, click on uh, sermons and listen to them there. If you've missed any in this series, please go back and listen to the ones that you've missed because we're doing this to, to build it and to encourage it. And this is all about the ministry of which you are a part of, of the ministry that you're engaged in. And we want you to be empowered in the ministry that Christ has called you to. So here we go. Um, I'm going I'm to touch on a couple of, um, of beginning places that we're building on in order for us to then launch into uh, my main point for today, and then we'll be unpacking that over the next couple of weeks as a little more detail on how that works. The first thing I want to talk about, number one, in all of this that we're, that we're endeavoring to do, in, in anything that we're going to do in the kingdom, it, it all begins with identity. It all begins with identity. Everything that you and I are gonna do is gonna flow out of our identity. And first and foremost, no matter what, no matter what your calling is, no matter what your assignment is, no matter what your giftedness is, no matter where you are, what season you live in, no matter what is going on, the most important thing that you have to understand about your identity is that we are daughters and sons. We are daughters and sons, and we have a fantastic dad. We're not just any daughters and sons. We're daughters and sons of the most fantastic dad ever. The, the, the true, the one true good dad. Like we're made in his image and we're aspiring to be as good as him. But he's the, he's the, he's the good one. He's the good one. So here's the scripture, John 1, 12 and 13. As many as re, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Even to those who believe in his name who were born. Not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And I love that. Not of the will of man, but of God's will. God wants us to be daughters and sons. That's his desire. It's an even bigger desire than our desire. How cool is that? You're a daughter and a son because God wills you to be a daughter and a son. That's what he wants. Now you can choose to reject him. He's not forcing you. But man, he sure wants it. He sure wants it, and he's given us that. And then, um, so, so let, me, let me touch on this for just a moment because this is key. Lord, will you help me to put this all together in a timely way and not rush too much? Ooh, Jesus' name. First of all, as we are daughters and sons, I do want to speak to something. How many of you want to be significant in this life? Right? Yeah, you want your contribution to count, don't you? Absolutely. And you know what? That is good and right. That is totally appropriate. You should want to be significant. Do you know why? Because you are significant. You desire it like you're thirsty for water because water exists. Are you with me? So in the same way, like this is the air that you breathe. Your heartbeat, that desire, that innate desire in you to be significant is because you are a son, you are a daughter, and you are called to be significant. But your significance comes from being a daughter and a son. This is huge. When we try to gather our significance from something other than being a daughter or a son, what happens is everything that we build on that gets weird. 
It gets real weird real quick. Even your calling, even your giftings end up leveraging against you instead of for you. What do I mean by that? It means that if I'm looking for my assignment or my calling or my giftedness to to, uh, validate my identity, what ends up happening is I can never stop doing it. I'm, it's never enough. Because it's like, it's, it's like trying to satisfy your, your thirst for water with sand. It doesn't matter how much sand you drink, you are never going to be satisfied. Do you, do you get that? And so it's the same thing with identity. And this is so key because many of us have actually identified some giftedness. We've identified maybe a part of our call or maybe our actual call, but we're not operating out of a place of the significance that comes from identity. And so to that degree, we just push and push and push. We're driving and driving and driving and working harder and harder and harder. And there's not enough acclaim. There's not enough breakthrough. There's not enough victory. There's not enough money. There's not enough success. There's not enough influence to satisfy it. And yet we're still pushing. And we might even be pushing in the name of ministry. It's like, I'm doing this for Jesus. Well, unfortunately, no, you're not. You're doing it for identity. And that's already set up. Dad already says, you're his son, you're his daughter, and everything will flow out of that. You see, what happens is we're not making ourselves significant so we can become children of God. He's made us children. He's made us his children, and therefore we're significant. The next, uh, the next scripture that speaks to that as well is 2 Corinthians 6, 18. And I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Woo, he's a good dad. Go ahead, say it. He's a good dad. That's right. And I'm a good kid. Say that. Yeah, you are. You are one more. I'm significant. Yes, come on. That's Bible. JD invented that. Okay. The next thing that I want to talk about uh, with this is that, uh, I, oh wait, I did good. Thank you, Jesus. I'm already ahead of myself. We're doing good. You see, the, 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 the other piece of this, grabbing a hold of that we're significant, that's good. Grabbing a hold that you're a father and son, I'm sorry, a daughter and a son, and we have a good father, has to be built on that. Why? Because out of that begins to flow trust. You've got to trust that dad is good. Why? Because he's the one that gives you your gifts. And if you don't think he's good, you're going to be like, man, you gave me like the rotten carrot gift. Who wants the rotten carrot gift? Right? You're going to think you got the stinky gifts. Everybody else got the good gifts. I just got this stinky one. Stinky gift for me. Dad doesn't really love me. Dad doesn't really, uh, you you see what I'm saying? You're going to compare your gifts with other people if you don't know dad's a good dad, if you don't know you're a son and a daughter. You guys, your value can't go up or down based on your giftedness. Your value is that Jesus Christ gave his life so that you could become a son and a daughter. And when he was raised again, you were raised with him. And your dad looks at you no matter whether you're washing dishes or whether you're writing a play that's gonna change the perspectives in half the earth. He's like, good job, baby. I love the way you roll. Are you with me? This has to be true. Why is this true? Because otherwise what will happen is that we will then begin to have a hard time with the assignments that he gives us. And we're going to have a hard time dealing with seasons and timing. All right? How many of you have a vision or a dream or prophetic words or a picture that God showed you or a desire of your heart, you don't have to raise your hand, that has not yet been really fully realized? It's like you had this snapshot. When I was, I think I was eight years old, um, was the first time that I got the prophetic word. I I may have been 10, so between eight and 10, so I was young enough to not even remember how old I was, um, that I got the prophetic word of what I'm doing now. And I'm actually not even walking in the fullness of it yet, but here's what the word was. 
You're going to be a leader of leaders. You're going to be a leader of many men. You have a shepherd's heart. And I'm like, sounds great. Yeah, right? I'm like, I, re- I receive that. And I went out and I immediately started leading men. No one was listening to me, though, because I was like 10. So it did not go well with me, right? How many of you read the story of Joseph, right? I'm like, here's my coat of many colors, people. Get in line. Daddy's here to lead, right? It did not go well. It did not go well at all. I think most of us identify with that story as laughable as it is. Yeah, you're laughing at me. I saw that. Um, But we do. We get this picture and, and you guys, here's the thing you got to understand is that the word of the Lord that we get so often, it's like a snapshot. It's like a photo. You look at a photo and it's like, you are here. You're like, oh my goodness, I'm like, I'm in this teaching scenario. And oh, look, I'm, I'm, I'm working with other world-class leaders. Ooh, that's cool. I'm like together in a big meeting. That's awesome. Ooh, it involves the church a little bit. That looks neat. Oh man, I got to get there. That's my destiny. Well, first of all, no, that's a part of my destiny. My destiny is in Christ, and that's a part of it. That's a moment in it. It's not a destination. It's a, it's a part of it, right? Have you ever seen a picture of when you, when you first, I don't know, picture somebody when they got married? How many of you know they didn't stay in that picture, right? It was their wedding picture. They got married. Now they're married. They're not like back there. Gosh, I wish we were still, I, at least for me. Man, I was good looking. Let's get back to you guys. Okay, so here's the deal, right? Things have moved on. And let me tell you something, what I'm experiencing now, honestly, is way better than that picture. Although that picture looks good, you guys should see it. I wish I had it, I'd put it up right now. Look at that woman, I can't believe you married me. Oh, the Lord made her, it was part of her destiny, so it's the cross she bears. Okay, what's the point? The point is that we point at a destination, we point at the the promises of God, and we make it a destination, And you know what immediately happens if we do that, if we don't catch this identity piece? We discount the 20, okay, I'm 41 years old. 41 years, that's a 31-year-old prophecy. And I'm just now starting to enter into that. 31 years. And beloved, let me tell you something. I'm 41, so I can call you beloved now. Ed said it's legal. He said before when I was saying it, before I was 40, it was out of bounds. But now he's like, you can call people beloved. Thank you, Ed. Okay, here's the deal. We'll have a propensity to discount everything between when we heard it and when we get to that snapshot. And by the way, it's only a snapshot. He's just saying, this is part of what I'm going to have you doing. Not this is your grand destiny and it's the only thing you'll ever do. And until you're doing it, nothing matters and hurry up and you're behind schedule already. How, are some of you getting saved right now? Come on, like, or is it just me? Is this just therapy for me? Well, fine, thank you. I'm feeling better. All right, so that's what happens unless we understand he's a good dad and he's inviting us to come join him in what he's doing and we play a part in it and he does talk to us about it and he tells us different aspects of who we are in it. But unless we understand who we are, sons and daughters, then he's a good dad, we'll make that thing into the thing. And we'll try to leverage it to make us feel good, to make us feel significant. And he's like, you already started out significant. I'm just asking if you can help me do a couple of things. Come on, right? Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Keep that up. I need that. And maybe if it could spread, Shabba. They were so quiet this morning, I almost died. I almost, maybe just pray for me now. I got wounds. Okay. 
I think that I was just really smart, so they were listening to what I said, right, Karen? That's what she tells me. Honey, you're just really smart. They're not bored, they're just listening. Like, I didn't even mention bored, Karen. I wasn't worried that they were bored. Now, now I'm a little, now. All right, the next thing that we are is that we are a kingdom of priests. Say, I'm a priest. I am a priest. Yes, you are. You are a priest. In Revelation, it says you, speaking to Christ, he says you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign up in heaven after Jesus comes. I don't think that's what that says. Where are they reigning? On the earth. Did you catch that? Let me read it again. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. We are called into ministry. I want you to say it. I'm in ministry. I'm in full-time ministry. You absolutely are. You are a priest and you have been called into full-time ministry to extend the kingdom on the earth. How does, what does that look like? Well, here it is. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus speaking. All authority has been given to me in heaven. Read those next words to me. Yes, all authority on earth heaven and on earth. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I think that's a, I like that word observe. I like that word observe because what does someone have to do? First of all, observe means like actually do it. Okay, I get that. I get that. Go and teach, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to do everything that I've commanded you. That's true, that's true. But before someone can do something, if you were gonna explain it to them, what did they, what's the important part? In order for them to observe it, what's gonna have to happen? I better show them. They better see me doing it. It makes me think about Ibi, right, in Nigeria. Ibi shows up, she's like, we don't give bribes. We just don't. The people around her are going, you're gonna go out of business, she's going, she calls her people, let's pray. We're gonna do it God's way and we're gonna see what happens. Her manager is saying, Ivy, the thing about her is her faith shapes everything. She's a woman of integrity. The nation takes notice. They observe what Ivy's doing. The nation observes what Ivy's doing and says, we need you to head up the biggest bank in the nation because we need a culture of integrity. Who's doing that? Ivy's doing that. She's been doing it for 28 years. When we passed this unjust law that shut down 80% of her business, she still honored God and then brought in fantastic furniture, never cheated, has done such great business, we want her to head up our financial institution. Yeah. Why? Because they could observe it. She was doing it. We're called to do the same thing. We're in full-time ministry, and God actually wants us to have those that are in the world observe who we are, because we're in the kingdom, and when they look at our life, when they look at how we live and how we do business, they observe what Jesus commanded. What? And then suddenly they go, I want to go to there. <laughs> they do, don't they? They want to go to there, but we have to demonstrate it. We have to live it out, and that's the full-time ministry that we're called to, and not in like a funny little like, Jesus, I just prayed that today, like hopefully maybe something happens so I could do something sort of kingdomy for you, amen. No, you have to decide now. 
that you are in the kingdom and the kingdom is in you and that you're a son and a daughter and you are. He decided you are and you agreed, didn't you? Yes, you did. You're a kingdom of priests and you're in full-time ministry. Let's talk about that ministry. We're joining Jesus in whose ministry? His ministry. And what is he doing? He's making disciples of all nations. And just as a little add-on, just as a little, he is destroying the works of the devil. Do you get that? Like when we do this, what happened? I love what she said. She said, I decided that we would be righteous in the creation and management of wealth. Yeah, kingdom stuff brings kingdom stuff. How many of you know that poverty is not God's idea? How many of you know when he created the earth, he didn't take a vow of poverty? (laughs) Oh, yeah. But that's another preach. I'm just talking about just little side effects, right? (laughs) Just little things that just happen. They just happen because he's so good. So we're joining Jesus in whose ministry? His ministry. All right, so how do we do do that? Well, we're going to, I'm going to scripture you. You guys buckle up. Here we go. We ready for this? We're going to go fast. We're already going fast. Okay. Joining Jesus in his ministry. Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. In other words, everything you're doing and how you're doing it, live it unto God as an acceptable part of your service and worship. It goes on. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. This is where he's touching on, guys. Don't get sidetracked by trying to establish your significance through which job he asks you to do or which gift that you have. You're already a son. You're already a daughter. So don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. In other words, dad's got you. So don't get all like, oh, I have to have a super duper title. I got to be already the leader of something or else I can't work. He's like, no, just do what's in front of you because God's going to take care of you. He's given you a gifting. Be faithful with your gifting and your assignment because he's good. He's going to take care of you. Don't worry about it. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members don't have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Pray for me because I have a joke brewing and I need to not say it. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to each of us, (laughs) sorry, now I'm laughing at my joke that you can't hear, uh, is to exercise them accordingly. Listen to this. Listen to this. Exercising. (laughs) Oh, man. You didn't pray. Okay. If prophecy, okay, here we go. Since we have gifts that differ. (laughs) I'm not going to do it. No, I'm resisting in Jesus' name. Now I'm just laughing at me like you wouldn't have known. Oh, wow. This is an example that God can literally use anyone. I'm telling you. You think I'm kidding. When I came, the Lord commissioned me to take over this church one night when I had done meth, and I was literally trying to crawl into a couch. It was the darkest moment of my life, and I told the Lord, I'm a a failure. I'm a hypocrite. I don't want to live anymore. I don't want to be on this earth. I break everything you give me. I'm not trustworthy. You've saved me so many times. Just let me end. And he came in, and he said, Joshua, and I was saying to him, I'm dirt. I'm less than dirt. And he said, Joshua... Okay, okay, I hear you, I hear you. And he said, 
If then you're less than dirt, then will you allow me to make you a stepping stone so people can step onto you to get closer to me? Would that be a purpose that you could do? I said, Lord, I could do that. And he said, okay, then live. And that darkness lifted off of me, and the effects of those drugs lifted off of me. And in that day, it wasn't until years later that the Lord said, that's the day I commissioned you to do what you're doing. Come on. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to, to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, if he teach, if I'm sorry, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Isn't that beautiful? All right. Um, okay, here we go. Now, I'm going to continue on. I want to talk to you. We're talking about gifts. All right, so he's saying you've got all these different kinds of gifts, but you've got one body. You're all a different gift, but you're all in Christ. Let's continue on. To each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's. Say that word. Okay. Now, therefore, it says when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave what? Okay, so we're given according to the measure of Christ's. One thing, right? Christ's gift. But we've been given gifts. This is important. I want you to catch this. Everything that we've received is according to the ministry of Jesus Christ and the gift that he is and the ministry we're joining in with him in that gift. Jesus operated in the five-fold ministry. He was an apostle. He was a prophet. He was a teacher. He was a, he was a shepherd or a pastor. And he was an evangelist. He did all the work of the fivefold ministry. You see him doing that. I don't have time to, sh- to speak of all of it, but you see him operate in every single area. But we know that Jesus said, it's good that the Holy Spirit should come because I'm going to leave and go to the Father, but the Holy Spirit's going to come and teach you all things. Now, when he does that, he says, and all the works that I do, what did he say? You're going to do them. And greater gifts. Yeah, come on. Who gets extra points? You get extra points. So greater gifts you will do because I go to the Father. But here's what he didn't do. He didn't make us all five-fold ministers. He gave gifts out of his gift. And our gifts only have the ability to be a part of his ministry if we actually join him in his ministry, which means joining each other as well. We are interdependent in those gifts. So no one of you in here is an apostle, prophet, teacher, pastor, evangelist, but all of you are called to operate apostolically, pastorally, teacherly, evangelistically, and, 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 and so forth. Are you with me? So, now here's, now here's the thing, and I want to I get into this, and we're not going to actually get into all of that part of it, but that's going to be the conversation we have in the next couple of weeks, but I want you to catch this. Each of you has been given a gift, and there's more than just the fivefold ministry gift, but that's a primary part of what I want to talk about in God's extension of the kingdom and the earth is that we're joining Jesus in his fivefold ministry as ministers who operate in the gift that we are. Do you get that? So it's not about you becoming a well-rounded, five-fold person <laughs> that has to go out and start a ministry, as it were, but rather that you're already in his ministry 
and you're using the gifts you have and being the gift that you are. Does that make sense? And it has to flow out of you being a son or a daughter. It has to flow out of the intimacy of understanding that your daddy loves you and your big brother Jesus likes you and trusts you so much that they shared the Holy Spirit of God in you who teaches you all things, raises you up and activates gifts in you because of what Christ gave so that you can actually do the stuff with Jesus in the earth now, operating in some of those gifts. And you are a primary gift. Most of us, what we're gonna find is that you're operating in a primary gifting from God, a grace that he's given you, but you're joining in him you're joining him in his ministry as a minister. Now, now, are you guys tracking? Okay, I want to cover a few more things here because we're coming down to the end of our time. All right, so Ephesians 4. He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man. Now, you notice it doesn't say to where you all become mature men, but to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. You see, we together come into the maturity of the body of Christ. So, so we're interdependent. We need all those ministers doing all that ministry. And all y'all are what? A priesthood. You're a kingdom of priests. You see this? So we're talking about you here and me. All right. Now there's a distinction here. I'm going to draw it now. This here says, and he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. I am called my job my calling, my vocation, right? You all have a vocation, a calling. I have the same thing. I have a job. My job is to equip all y'all to do the work of the ministry. Are you, do you see that? That's my job. All of our jobs are to do the ministry. So if I'm operating in an apostolic gift, my job is to equip you to think apostolically and to engage in the ministry that you're already in so that you're extending the kingdom of heaven so that everything that you touch starts to look like the kingdom of heaven. My job is to get you to think like Ivy was thinking. You see that? But you notice what Ivy didn't do? She didn't come and plant a church. She caused a whole nation to look at the kingdom and go, Jesus is certainly with her. And we want her to change their nation. And if we need integrity, we're going to have to go to somebody who follows Jesus. So not many of us are called to the equipping ministry. All of us are called to the five-fold ministry. In front of me are those of you that are gifted as apostles and prophets and evangelists, and teachers, and pastors. And you need to happen in the ministry that you're called to. You need to take the gift that you are and the giftedness that you have and apply it in the place that you are. That's how God wants that to happen. Ivy is a great example of an apostolic leader who happened in her context. I would also say, I think secondarily, I think she also was operating as a prophetic leader. Now, why am I so comfortable coming up here and saying that, that, that I'm surrounded by apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists? <laughs> I don't know. No, because it's true. 
Because the difference here, see, we're joining Jesus in his ministry. I'm comfortable saying this to you because I'm talking to a bunch of sons and daughters. If I were talking to a bunch of orphans, this would be a terrifying word because every one of you would immediately start imagining how you're going to go start your own ministry. And by start your own ministry, you are dreaming about like, I'll lead a bunch of people, I'll take an offering, I'll have my name on a billboard, I'll have a really cool mailing thing, we'll have amazing stuff online, my media campaign's going to be great, and everybody's going to think I'm awesome and they're going to talk about my cool international ministry. But that's not what it is. That's not how it works. You see, God's plan is that we're engaging in every sphere of influence that we're in. In other words, we're engaging in every place of responsibility and authority. Where those two things correspond in your life, that's where your ministry is. And God has given you as a gift to release his kingdom through your ministry. You see, we've been imagining that ministry happens in here, and it does. My ministry happens in here. But if your ministry doesn't happen out there, my ministry is ineffective, useless, and I will answer to the Lord for it. And he will say, you made it by fire, but what you built doesn't stand and there's no reward for it. Like, you're coming, I mean, I'll make it, but he'll be like, you missed the point. You didn't equip the saints to go be ministers. You just brought them together and had a few laughs and sang to Jesus and prayed for each other, played with your toys in the room, but nobody went out and used any of their gifts. Nobody understood that their ministry happens in the earth. Nobody extended the kingdom through faithfulness in the ministry that I had entrusted to them. They just all hung out and hoped that maybe they could join you on the stage someday or wished that I would have chose them to be the guy with the microphone. I'm not putting that on you. I'm just saying, do you see the difference here in paradigm? But your sons and daughters, so your significance is secure. And you're called according where dad has placed you and put you. And many of you, what you're doing right now, you may not be doing later, but you're on your way towards it. And everything that you're in the middle of is training you for the next thing that you need. He wastes nothing. So some of you are like, but I don't, please don't tell me that, you know, that my current job is my ministry forever. It's probably not. It's probably not your ministry forever. If that's where your heart's at. You know, if you're like, I can't wait to get away from this. Then, then there probably is some things God wants to do. One, to make you more fruitful where you are. But two, it may not be what you're going to be doing forever. And that's okay. Take heart, but be faithful where you are. Is this, is this making sense? Okay. Um, Lord Jesus, you got to help me to learn how to lo- close this down. Okay. I think we can land right here. I think we can land right here. I have more to say, but we can say it in the next sermon. We're joining Jesus in his ministry. And that means that you as a full-time minister of the gospel are a gift and you have a giftedness in order then as a son and a daughter to delight, to delight in the significance that he calls you into as a son and daughter, but then to delight in the place of ministry where you're already planted. And you can then, see when you start to realize like number one, what I'm doing is valid, 
What I'm doing is strategic. What I'm doing is significant. What I'm doing is needed. And where I am is important. Then suddenly, and then you go, and I have a unique gift set that I can employ right now. No matter what the assignment is, no matter what the season is, no matter what the timing is, I actually have a unique gift given by Christ out of his gift. I'm one of those gifts, and I can employ it right here to extend his kingdom. So if you're, if you're an apostolic gift, you can already be thinking about how can I bring The government structure of God, which is family and honor and respect and integrity and abundance and great communication. How can I make this happen up up to my level of responsibility and authority in this time, my influence? How can I do that now? And you'll start creating that. And the Lord will find you faithful. And you'll extend your kingdom there. And with God, God's a promoter, by the way, guys. If you're faithful in little, you'll be given much. But if you're faithless in little... He's faithful to keep you there until you learn how to be faithful. Why? Because you have to actually give an account for what you do with your stuff. And he doesn't want to set you up for failure. He's not going to set you up so you fail eternally. He's going to keep training you on that until you go, wait a minute. (laughs) Wait a minute. Are you with me? Okay. Father, thank you. Thank you for calling us all to be sons and daughters. Thank you for inviting us into the ministry of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the gifts that you've given to each of us and the gift that you've created us to be and to operate as to extend your kingdom into our spheres, into our places of responsibility, into our homes and our families, our workplaces, our dreams, our hobbies, everything that we touch, Lord. My prayer for all of us today, Lord, is that you would begin to cause our mind to be opened to the way that you think. That we would begin to imagine and picture what your kingdom paradigm looks like. And then, Lord, begin to confront and inspire and encourage us in the places where we've actually been fruitless because we didn't understand. In Jesus' name. Amen. I have one final thing to say. I know I've gone a little bit long here, but I, I want to share this with you. The Lord during first service brought this up, and it's true for second service as well. So the Lord shared with me during first service that there are many of you here that have been having a terrible struggle in certain sins. I mean, literally things where you're like, golly, I'm choosing that medication again. And, uh, and it's been very frustrating. You've been, you just have felt stuck. And he said, as we're on this journey, you're going to find that as you engage and begin to rejoice in the giftedness that he's given you, the assignment that you have right now, and the gift that you are, as you begin to understand that and understand the significance of what you're already doing and begin to bear fruit in that way, the power of those things is actually going to be broken off of you. Because what's been happening is you have been frustrated by futility. You've been frustrated because you didn't realize that you were doing something, that you are significant and that you're called to do something significant in your area. And so to that extent, you've had hopelessness. And to that extent, you've been very weak to be able to resist temptation when it comes. To that extent, you've actually been being destroyed by the works of the enemy instead of destroying the works of the enemy. And I just, the Lord wanted me to encourage you with that. 
that you're going to see a new power over sin in some areas because you were actually frustrated and feeling futile. So it's like at that point, why resist? I'm just killing time till Jesus comes. So I just release that over you. Prayer servant team is coming right now, and I want you to come and be encouraged and prayed for. The elders are also coming up to the front. Please let us pray for you. We want to bless you in your ministry. We want to bless you and see you fruitful. God bless you.